Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me. This is the Digital Marketing Revolution Podcast, and I'm your host, Ivan Temelkov. This particular podcast is exclusive to iTunes, where you can download it, or you can pick it up, pick up the latest episode on my website, www.digitalwebstrategist.com. This is episode two, and I'm quite excited to bring this latest piece of audio to you because, as mentioned in episode one, we have a very special guest today joining us on the show to talk about social media. Someone that, well, uh, it's someone that I have been tweeting with for quite some time, someone that is local here in the St. Louis area, and someone that uh, I do consider to some extent as, as an idol, someone that has built her business from the ground up, uh, more or less in a grassroots movement, uh, utilizing the availability of online futures and the internet in itself to build her business, uh, known as uh, Extraordinary Mommy, and also the author of a couple of books, uh, which we will discuss um, in further detail during the interview. So, without further ado... I'd like to uh, cover a couple of housekeeping items first before we dive into the interview itself. And that being that first, I think I am uh, quite impressed actually with the overall turnout of this particular podcast in terms of the uh, recording in itself. Um, uh, I do have to be very upfront. I mentioned that uh, when it comes to recording a podcast, well, uh, I'm a bit of a novice to it and uh, I'm learning as I go. So I think overall the sound quality turned out much better than episode one, which I'm extremely pleased about, and I hope that uh, you will enjoy every second of it. Next, uh, I do want to mention that uh, you can find out more about the podcast on my website, www.digitalwebstrategist.com, on Twitter at Ivan underscore Temelkov, that's I-V-A-N underscore T-E-M-E-L-K-O-V. Um, don't tease me about my last, ni- my last name. I have considered changing my Twitter handle to something more rememberable, but uh, chances of that happening uh, probably slim to none, at least for the time being anyway. So next up uh, on Facebook, feel free to connect with me, uh, facebook.com forward slash Ivan.Temelkov on LinkedIn. You can look me up. That's I-V-A-N. T-E-M-E-L-K-O-V. And without further ado, I think I'd like to jump right in with the interview with uh, Daniel Smith. So without further ado, here we go. Stay tuned. Hello everyone, uh, this is Ivan Temelkov and this is episode two of the Digital Marketing Revolution podcast and today I'm excited to have as a guest, the first guest of January, or should I say 2014 really, is uh, Daniel Smith. Daniel? Ivan, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you, Danielle. Uh, first of all, I know that we were having some technical difficulties last week when we were trying to do this recording initially, so it's a huge relief knowing that we've got that out of the way. But uh, what would be fun if you didn't have that technical difficulty, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what? A little bit of challenge. No problem at all. We're, ge- we're good to go now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ready to dive in. So, uh, first of all, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, in the previous episode, I had mentioned that... Uh, "Quote unquote," uh, or really give you the title of social media maven, or is that really a title uh, that you want to carry? Well, I, I appreciate the title. I don't ever really give myself fancy titles because I, I suppose it makes me a little bit nervous to to put myself in that category. But I will graciously accept that. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So let's get started. As um, so, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your experience, and uh, kind of you know what led you into social media to begin with? I will do my best to make that as brief as possible. So uh, for anyone who engages with me in the online space, uh, Twitter is probably the place where I started in 
social media, so to speak. It's at Danielle Smith TV is the best place to connect with me there. But I have two primary sites. One is a parenting and lifestyle site, which is extraordinarymommy.com. And then I have a media and media training site, which is daniellesmithmedia.com. And my traditional background, so what I went to school for, so to speak, is television reporting and anchoring. So that's what I, what I started when I, when I, what I wanted to be when I grew up, that's what I wanted to be initially. So that's where I, where I went to begin with. And when I got out of television back right around nine 11, I, I met my husband doing that. I did news. He did sports. We did weekend newscasts together. When I got out of TV, I had this moment where I said, now, what do I want to do? Where, where do I want to go from here? And there were a couple of things that really uh, directed me. One was that I knew I wanted to be my own boss. Two was that I had started a family. And I knew that one of the things I wanted to be as my driving force was that I wanted to raise my children to understand that I could, as a mother, as a woman, still be an individual. I could raise them to show them as a model that I could... I could still pursue the things that I'd always wanted to pursue growing up and still be a present mother. So it'd be possible for me to juggle both. So that set me off on a, a bit of an entrepreneurial space. So the very first thing I did was I started extraordinarymommy.com as a blog and a lifestyle site. And that put me into the social media space if in fact I wanted that to grow. So I used it as a platform to grow a brand. And I use social media to do that, which is how I ended up in the social media space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exciting. You know, as it's talking about, uh, you know, uh, being a mother too and being able to juggle all these things at once, you know, kind of going back to, you know, in your childhood, you really have these high hopes and dreams that one day you're going to become someone. And then when you grow up, it seems like, uh, you know, your priorities change and then you have a family too. And I think most people really get discouraged and get the feeling that they're unable to pursue their hopes and dreams or if, you know, their priorities have changed or, you know, in your cases, you know, taking a different career direction, really. In this case, uh, starting extra, ExtraordinaryMommy.com, which really lives up to the name, right, is being an extra, Extraordinary Mommy. So um, in terms of social media, how long ago did you uh, approximately get started um, in terms of social media and extra, extraordinary mommy and just, you know, being a solopreneur? Well, I've been, I'm going on about seven and a half to eight years now. And one of the first things that I did was I decided that I needed to make Twitter work for me. That was the first thing that was uh, a mental new year's resolution <laughs> that I made for me, which is you know, funny because Twitter has evolved a lot over the last number of years. It has become a, a bit of a platform for people to promote a lot of businesses and it's a great place for businesses to connect certainly. Uh, but for me initially, it really was a, a platform to engage with individuals and to make connections. And that's really how I developed the brand, so to speak. And, you know, you made reference to Extraordinary Mommy. And I think, you know, a good friend of mine actually said to me, and this is a, a, a bit of a battle that I fight because I didn't start Extraordinary Mommy because I'm extraordinary, but because I was having so many conversations with other moms and it, the conversation focused on how difficult it was to be a mom. And so many times I was hearing, when was the last time I showered and my kids won't eat their vegetables <laughs> and my kids are constantly fighting. And I found that so much of the conversation was about the struggle of motherhood. And I wanted there to be a place to remind moms that what we're doing every day is really extraordinary. So even if, even if you lose your patience with your kids, even if you haven't showered today, even if everything feels like a juggle, as long as your kids know that you love them at the end of the day, you're doing something extraordinary. And so that was the premise of the site. But I knew that I needed to take that brand somewhere else to build it. And I needed to make connections with with PR firms, with brands, with people that would want to potentially work with me. And Twitter was really the first place that I did that. And because mm -hmm. I made some of those connections in that online space, and because one of my primary goals has always been to be the exact same person in real life that I am online, that has been, because it's a, a guiding rule for me, Mm -hmm. That has has stood me well in relationships and in business because people know that what you get of me online is what you get of me in person. So if I'm kind to you online, I, I'm going to, that's my goal, is to be that exact same way to you in person. I'm not pretending to be someone else online. 
Right, right. Now that that that's that's really great determination. That's a really great point too. Is this that what you see is what you get? Because I think you know, speaking to Twitter particularly, is that there's a lot of misconception in the way individuals and brands portray themselves in the marketplace these days. Uh, it seems like you know there's a split personality, if you would, going on. So um, I appreciate you kind of sharing that. You know, that's uh, that's some serious determination and commitment. And not to mention, I can only imagine, you know, having to juggle kids and you know doing what you love doing. I mean, that's a lot of determination. I'm sure it really keeps you up on your toes. So um, the next question that I have for you is this. Uh, how do you present yourself to others uh, in the marketing and industry? How do you how do you uh, position yourself when you try to approach new opportunities? Uh, when you try to establish new relationships, I've always found that the best avenue of attack for me is to put my best foot forward, which is most definitely a cliche. But if someone comes to me and says, you know, Daniel, what are your blog numbers? I want to let them know that I'm going to lead with my assets. I'm going to tell you where my strengths are. I'm going to tell you what my YouTube numbers are. I'm going to tell you what my Twitter followers are. I'm going to let you know where my greatest strengths are because video is is a place where I have had a great amount of success in the online space. So I'm going to tell you that this is something that I do well. So I'm going to make sure that what I present to you is not, hey, Danielle's a great writer. While I find that my writing is okay, I'm I'm comfortable on camera. That is an asset of mine. So I'm going to make sure that I present to you what my greatest asset is and how I might, how I think we might work together. Mm -hmm. Because I find that it doesn't do me any good, Ivan, to come to you and say, you know what, let's talk SEO. Because SEO is not my asset. Right, well, I right. think you and I had this conversation before where if you wanted to talk SEO, I certainly could have a conversation with you about it. But it's not somewhere that I have been as strategic as I need to be. So I wouldn't be someone that could ever teach you about SEO, but I could teach you about video and I could teach you about being on camera and I could teach you about media training. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that when I'm presenting myself to other people, I'm presenting what my assets might be and how I think uh, my relationship with someone else might benefit them. Sure. Sure. Now, that's a great point. And one thing that you did mention is, is, is that you know, focus on your strengths, uh, focus on your passion and pursue really, if you would, uh, a niche within, you know, the digital marketing uh, industry and, and really try to own that essentially. So to your point is this, uh, the fact that you dominate uh, with video and video is kind of an area that you really excel at, you know, that's something that, you know, I've told also to other individuals and brands that I've spoken and worked with in the past is just that, you know, focus on your strengths, you know, don't try to do everything at once. So that was a really great point. Um, what do you like the most about being your own boss? I think that's kind of a question that I wanted to ask because a lot of people that kind of venture out into entrepreneurship or, you know, they, they try to start their own brand or do their own thing or whatever it may be. They really, that's one of the questions that crosses their mind. So what do you like most about being your boss, being your own boss? I love that I can make my own schedule. I like that it gives me the flexibility to determine when I can be most present for my family because I'm in charge of the juggle. I know people use the word balance a lot and I don't use the word balance because I know that if I'm striving for balance, I'm always going to be unbalanced and I'm always going to feel as though I'm failing. So I, I subscribe to the notion that balance is kind of a bunk idea and I recognize that I'm always juggling. I am never a stellar mom at the exact same time that I'm stellar at my business. So I know that when I'm on the sidelines of the soccer field or the baseball field that I'm giving my full to my kids. And because I'm my own boss, I have the luxury of saying I'm done at two today, but that also could potentially mean that I'm starting again at 8 p.m. tonight and I'm working until midnight. I The overarching name of my company, like my overall company is 3.30 Media and the double entendre there is that when I was starting my company, I stayed up until 3.30 in the morning every night to get wow. work done. Because those were my hours. I had small children. So my kids were up all day and they were up, you know, I mean, they were, they were little. So I was up until 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night with them. So I didn't start work again until 8 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So I would work until from 8.30 until, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon or 3.30 in the morning. But my kids were around all day. They weren't in school. So I didn't have the luxury of working during the day. And so much of what I was doing at the time was writing that it was okay that, but those were my hours. And now, you know, the double entendre there, the other half of that double entendre is that my kids get home from school at 3.30. So 
that's a big part of it. The other thing is that I'm free to be fully creative. You know, I'm the, I'm the chief creative officer and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my husband is the chief financial officer (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, so I, uh, which is sometimes a bit of a challenge because sure. you know he can come in and say, I think that, and I can say, I'm sorry, I'm busy right now. Uh, but I have the full luxury of determining that I might be going in a different direction. I can say right now I'm doing video, but you know what? Next month, three months from now, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to put on an event. And two months from now, I'd like to do webinars. Or maybe I'd like to start a podcast because I have that creative flexibility. Now, I might take it in the pocketbook, but that's up to me to determine which direction I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, is I mean, you made a couple of great points. One is is you know being a being an entrepreneur and or sole, solopreneur too. Not only that you have uh, the versatility factor to where you can you know uh, set your own hours essentially and do the things when you need to do them, but. Uh, uh, also, you may have to work at strange hours. You know, uh, you may have to wear multiple hats uh, at times. Now, where it gets interesting, as you mentioned, you know, your husband is your CFO, so I'm sure that's an interesting conversation yeah. every it's time it comes down dynamic. to financials. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so let's take it back to social media here a little bit. Is uh, next question that I have for you is, is um, we might have touched upon this a little bit in the beginning is. What enticed you to even take interest in social media to begin with? I recognized that I knew I needed to grow my platform and I needed to grow it in the online space because I was connecting with people outside of St. Louis. I was connecting with people I needed to come to my my blog, my website at the time, and I knew those people were online. I needed people to come see what I was doing. And so it was holding up a virtual megaphone and saying, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This is where I would like you to come visit with me. But also just wanting to have a conversation. And I wanted to say, what are you doing? What are you interested in? Where can I find you? And having that two-way conversation I found was so much fun, Ivan, Uh that it really is. I mean, I I hate to say it's a bit of an addiction for me, but in a way it is because I love having that, that opportunity to connect with people. So many of the, the friends that I have made on in the online space over the course of the last seven or eight years have become some of the people that I trust most in the world. Those are some of the people that I go to now when I am in a quandary about a business decision. Those are the people that I go to to say, I'm thinking about, you know, I've hit a fork in the road. Should I go to the left or to the right? And those are some of the people that I trust very much because mm-hmm. they they understand where I'm coming from. And they also work in the same space. Uh, the people that mm-hmm. I see on the side of the soccer field, they they work in a different world. And so there are different categories of people in my in my life and in my world. And social media occupies a very large quadrant. Sure, sure. You, you know, three things uh, that I want to mention too is this. You know, talking about the people that you see on the other side of the soccer field is this. Uh, I feel to an extent uh, some of those people feel like they're in a confinement in a way that they're mm-hmm. they're forced to live a certain life. You know, the the nine to five gig and you know, pick up the or take the kids to school in the morning, pick up the kids, you know, after work type type of thing. And, and uh, hence why, you know, I think a lot of uh, people these days are exploring additional opportunities into, you know, venturing out into, you know, doing their own thing, starting their own their own brand. The other two things is this, uh, what's great about social media is this, that it's a communication platform. Uh, you know, it, it provides uh, consumers with the ability to communicate with other consumers and ultimately other brands as well. And also the important factor of it is this connectivity. Um, so uh, you mentioned, you know, it's kind of like an addiction in a way. Uh, right. And that's kind of how I envision it really because uh, you always want to be, you know, plugged in. Uh, you know, remember, remember the movie The Matrix? <laughs> kind of right. going into The Matrix, if you would. Um, so social media has become kind of an, an addiction. It hasn't really been forced on us, but... You know, it's something that we sort of, you know, inherited because uh, consumers and brands want to have that constant connection, you know, uh, and want to be kept in the know. Uh, I know that Twitter particularly recently I had heard a lot of people mention that, you know, they're fairly new to Twitter. And the one thing that they use Twitter the most for is uh, to keep up on latest news. 
So, right. uh, you know, it's without going too deeper into social media, as every platform, you know, has its has its potential. So, um, the next you know, it's, I have to I have to say though, really quickly, it's funny that you say that about news because I actually just tweeted something because breaking news at the moment is mm-hmm. Justin Bieber egging his neighbor's house. <laughs> so I tweeted because honestly, that kind of thing makes me crazy. You know, I mean, breaking news, shooting at a school in New Mexico, yes, right, right. clashes in Egypt, yes. Uh, but Justin Bieber and a press conference, what the sheriff has to say and whether or not they're searching Justin Bieber's house. So it's, it's interesting too, because your perspective on what's important in the world, I mean, you could potentially, someone who is newly converted to Twitter might walk away from the platform. Absolutely. If, if that's the kind of, the, the kind of information they think is being spouted online, if that's what they think is being shared on Twitter, as breaking news, they could easily walk away from it. Absolutely. I mean, speaking to your point, is this that uh, an experience of mine is so I was getting my haircut yesterday, and uh, my hairstylist was talking about Twitter and how she's, you know, uh, just adapting to it and starting. And the one thing that they mentioned is this, you know, to your point, is this perspective and misconception is that. You know, one of the statements she made was that, well, I don't want to know what certain people are doing at a certain time. Right. And I feel like people express themselves a little too much and perhaps give too much transparency on Twitter. Um, also, recently, I read an article that had a headline that said, Twitter, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and honestly, it, it's funny because I have, I have a column on Twitter that a girlfriend of mine started recently called Bringing Twitter Back. And it's, you know, we're the people that were on Twitter seven years ago that, that met on Twitter, that started talking on Twitter, that used to have conversations, that used to, you know, chat about some TV shows or used to say, you know, used to have a quandary at home and ask a question that used to actually have conversation. And, and I think I mentioned these to you before that I've always asked on Twitter, you know, who's got good news to share? And it used to take me a full half hour, 45 minutes or an hour to respond to everyone that that used to respond to me. And you must consider that then I had at least half of the followers I have now. Mm-hmm. And now there are times when I ask and not one person will respond. And it's because people's feeds are so full of how did this link, how did this link, how did this link, how did this link, that so much of the conversation and general chatter and things that are interesting are occasionally lost Absolutely. because because there are so many links that are shared. And while I can't tell you how many times I've seen, like I sent out a tweet not that long ago that the link um, went to the wrong site. And I can't tell you how many people retweeted it. And finally, (laughs) one person sent me a message that said, hey, Danielle, the link doesn't go to the right place. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's been retweeted 15 times. Right, right. And while I I love the people who have blind faith in me, Mm -hmm. yay, yay. But at the same time, nobody went to the link. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, right. So, uh, observation you know. is key, and decluttering, especially you know, with with Twitter, can be very difficult. And speaking of Twitter and social media networks, uh, which particular social media platform is most appealing to? Which do you find most effective uh, for your clients? Well, there. Are, so those are two different questions. You know, what do I find most appealing? Mm-hmm. What's most effective? So what drives the most traffic? I find that I get the most engagement on Facebook uh, and, and from Pinterest. Those seem to be the two. Depending on how visual your content is, for my purposes, Pinterest is a huge traffic driver. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is huge for conversation uh, in terms of conversation, in terms of what I'm sharing and, and people just joining into conversation. Also because Facebook is a huge mix for me of people from all walks of life, but they're also at least vaguely some type of inner circle. Uh, whereas Twitter is, Twitter runs the gamut of, of all kinds of people. I mean, Twitter, anybody can follow you, but mm-hmm. I do still love Twitter. So that's, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the board and by the same token, I, I love Instagram too. I will always love Instagram because I love the visual to it. It's, I love, you know, flitting through people's feeds because it's so pretty and I do like seeing how creative people are with photography as an art, whereas I'm not an artist with photography, and I'm always impressed when I, when I manage to do something that feels vaguely artistic. But my Instagram feed is, is very much me. It's happy. It's home. It's 
what feels good in my world. Uh-huh. It's not artistic in the sense that you're going to look through it and be like, ooh, pretty birds. Ooh, you know, artsy travel. You know, there are some people who have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers because they're their travel on Instagram or they're very specific in beauty and fashion, whereas I'm all over the board. So absolutely. You know, and that actually begs another question. A question on top of a question. Hit me. <laughs> um, the question that, you know, you have to as a brand, right, is for when it comes to social media strategy in general, is this you have to create some segmentation. You have to have some clear yes. separation in terms of which social media networks you should be pursuing of when it comes to uh, engaging with your target market. So right. um, to to your point that you made is, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter seem to be working for you, for your business model, for the for the target market, the potential clients that you'd be willing to work with, essentially. And that might differentiate, you know, for other brands. You know, we've got um, uh, social networks like, you know, Tumblr also. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned Pinterest uh, as well. So I guess, is it varying based on, the business model, the goals and, ob- and objectives that a brand sets forth for itself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone who tells you that you need to be everywhere all the time is lying to you. And, you know, I mean, I know that we were going to talk about the book in a little bit, but it's it's one of the things that we talk about in the book. And it's, there's so much out there. You can literally make yourself crazy if you say, I need to have a podcast, I need to be on YouTube, I need to be on LinkedIn, and I need to do Twitter, and I need to do Facebook, and I need to do Tumblr, and I need to have a blog. I mean, you could you could spend all day, every single day doing nothing but updating your social media platforms, which means, by the way, that you're getting absolutely no work done. And right. And by work done, I mean creating good content. And if you're not creating good content, nobody's coming to any of your social media platforms. Nobody's engaging with you there beyond having a conversation with you about whether or not you're watching TV. And that's that's not the engagement that you want if, in fact, you're trying to grow a business. Because if you're growing a business, you need to be making money. And if you're not creating content, then you don't have anything that anyone wants to come to you for, whether it's a service or a product. Absolutely. So, you need to figure out which of those platforms works best for you. If you do something that is incredibly visual, whether it's a product that is very pretty, uh, if you are an artist, if you create beautiful clothing, if you are into fashion, Pinterest is a, is a valuable resource for you. If mm-hmm. what you do is very, very business-oriented, if you're a recruiter, LinkedIn is a great resource. If you are incredible on camera, wow, YouTube is where you need to be. So you really need to figure out which of those platforms is the appropriate landscape for you. But you also have to work each of those as though they are an individual community because they are. You can't stop in for 10 minutes a week and say, hey, I'm here. Who wants to talk to me? By the way, I'm gone. Because when people do start engaging with you, if you're not there, then they walk away. Absolutely. Monitoring consistency is is important. And uh, the one thing that you really pointed out that I think a lot of brands fail at is that they feel as if that they need to either spend too much time on social media or not enough time on social media. So therefore, there's really no no counterbalance. There's no, you know, middle of the road, essentially, to where they're being responsive. You know, uh, if someone tweets at you or someone retweets or whatever that may be, essentially, to be able to, you know, start a conversation or keep a conversation going. So um, the next question I wanted to get to, and it kind of jumped ahead of me here, is that uh, let's, what is social media engagement for dummies? It is my second book. was written with Elisa Sherman, uh, who is brilliant, by the way. So the easiest way to find her is elisasherman.com. And she and I wrote our first book together, which was Mom Incorporated. And that was a guide to business and baby. So that was how to start a business while having a family. And this was part of the Dummies Network. And it's different. There are so many Dummies books, as everyone knows. You can do Pinterest for Dummies or LinkedIn for Dummies or social media marketing for Dummies. But this is social media engagement for dummies because Aliza and I firmly believe that you need to engage before you market. You need to engage before you start diving into any of the individual platforms. And true to any dummies book, it is what's beautiful about it is that not only do we break down each of the individual platforms, so if what you need to learn most is LinkedIn or what you need to learn most is Pinterest, you can, but we also break down the theory of engagement and why it is important to take the time to engage individually 
on the platforms and how to best go about engaging with your communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We found, go ahead. Oh, uh, without without abruptly interjecting is you know I think you really you know hit the nail on the head here is that engagement is perhaps one of the most important aspects you know of social media aside from you know monitoring and everything else but uh, you know can you elaborate a little bit on the engagement part of it in terms of you know uh, if someone is just starting out with social media okay and you know you've got you know ten different social media networks and your mind is just overwhelmed and you have no idea how to approach it and you're thinking engagement someone kind of you know put a bug in your ear talking about well social media is important for engagement how should one approach engagement for social media what are a couple of different steps that they could explore to uh, come up with a really good engagement strategy well the first thing I would say is that you have to figure out where your community is So if your community is on Facebook, then you start there. And if your community is on Twitter, then you start there. I wouldn't recommend, and this is what I started to mention earlier, you can't be everywhere at any given time. Uh, And you need to come up with some goals. What are some tangible goals for where you want to be? Do you want your community to give you an idea of how you can improve your business? Is your goal to sell more widgets? Is your goal to get more people to come to a webinar? Uh, And you need to figure out that, how the times of day is a great is a great time a great thing to figure out but when you get on there you can't just be speaking into an echo chamber because i've seen many brands do this they talk and then they never respond mm-hmm. so when they say you know hey we've got this great widget then people respond to them and say i just picked up your widget and we love using it in our kitchen sure. and what I have found is most effective for brands. I love seeing on, on Facebook pages, on Twitter, when brands reply and say, we're, we're so excited that you love using our widget. Do you use it for breakfast mm-hmm. or do you use it for dinner? And it, I can't even tell you what it does for a consumer to know that the brand cares. You know who's really good at this? Airlines. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. But for the most part, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a flight and I or in, in the airport and I've said you know, I'm, I'm not getting answers from the desk. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, it looks like my Delta flight is delayed, or it looks like for some reason, they don't have a seat assignment for me. And Delta will reply and say, Hey, Danielle, can you tell us where you're going in which sure. airport you're in right now? And Hey, if we're not already following you DM us and we'll, we'll get the answers for you. Absolutely. And no. it, it just, it can't tell you how comforting it is to know that you're being heard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the, the lack of follow through uh, can be detrimental to a brand on social media, precisely uh, for the reasons that you just, you just pointed out. Uh, not only airlines, but personally, I have explored with, uh, you know, uh, communications providers also. I think mm-hmm. they're finally starting to get it that, you know, especially with uh, Twitter, which I think in the, in the beginning and it's in its early, early days, uh, they were really struggling to to understand uh, and, and comprehend its potential, but now they're starting to realize that, uh, particularly you know, uh, in the communications provi- communications providers, service based industries, that they can leverage Twitter uh, as right. a reputation management tool, as a customer service tool, right. and that's uh, affecting hugely. Uh, the response rate from their customers, it's really, as you said, is it's really establishing that comfort level that uh, customers are really looking for to feel like they're acknowledged, like they're appreciated. And most of all is this that their problems are addressed. Well, and, and I get it because what unfortunately what's starting to happen is initially, you know, Nike was to us, Nike was the swoosh. And now Nike feels far more approachable. Nike feels like this brand that we that we should be able to reach. And what that means to the average consumer now is that I should get answers to my thoughts, questions, problems, concerns immediately. And unfortunately, I I don't believe that that's how social media should be used. I don't believe that social media gives us as consumers the right to air every single grievance we have any time of day all the time. I don't believe that anytime you get frustrated, you should be taking to social media to say, you know what, 
my meal was a little bit cold. I'm kind of crabby <laughs> about it. I, I th- you know what? I think that we need to be adults. I Absolutely. really do. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think that you sit down at a table in a restaurant and when you don't have service within the first four minutes, you don't take to Twitter. Sure, you, sure. I mean, you know what I mean. Like you, if if you really are waiting on service, you stand up and you walk to the hostess stand and you say, "Excuse me, um, we've been waiting for about fifteen minutes and we haven't even received water yet. Is it possible for you to send someone over to our table?" You handle it like an adult, like you always have. You don't take to sure. Twitter and then hop on Yelp while you're still there. And unfortunately, I think that social media has opened that door and has really scared a lot of brands. Yeah. So I, I think that you know. So. Well, no, it's my, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point, Danielle. I feel like to some extent, certain tweeps, uh, as I like to call them, you know, yes. uh, use Twitter as a venting uh, platform. And when in fact, you shouldn't use Twitter to vent because, as you said, you know, you just got seated, and three minutes after getting seated, you didn't get your water, your ice water, or you know, your bread and butter you know, whatever it is that they, that they serve. And I'm going to use that statement that you made actually as a segue into my next question is, and that being, what are the top three benefits that brands can leverage from social media? I I would say, you know, to me that the biggest benefits are the opportunity to listen to your community and find out what it is they really want. You can use them as a tool for improving upon what it is you actually have in front of you. Uh, I think that also it's a great opportunity to turn average fans into raving fans because if you if they see you handle someone who is a little bit awry, then they're highly impressed. And also you can use them as a um, what's the term I'm looking for, but use them as sort of a, a social focus group uh-huh. to create new opportunities for moving forward. I mean, you might be saying, hey, we're thinking about coming out with a purple widget or we're thinking about coming out with a green widget. Mm -hmm. And go ahead and throw that in front of your community. If you have a very engaged community, say purple, green, purple, green, and see what they say. And you may find that your entire inner community, like your entire business pool was getting ready to invest everything in purple. And everybody says, no, 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 green. You go green and we're going to buy it like crazy. (laughs) And you already have people Right. who are all ready to throw their dollars down the second you go green. Right. So I just, I think that there's just that, um, not to mention social media, aside from the fact that you would be smart to be paying a social media brand manager, but social media is so much word of mouth. And if you're doing it correctly, it costs less than large-scale television advertisements and huge print advertisements. And and I'm not to say that it eliminates all of that entirely, but there is an opportunity to invest in word-of-mouth marketing that, that could replace some of your previously large-scale traditional mm-hmm. advertising budget. Absolutely. I mean, I think you nailed that one right on, Danielle, is just that, you know, building brand advocates, uh, using social media, given social media users, uh, the ability to express themselves, uh, essentially, uh, in the scenario that you presented, you know, are some of the uh, great ways, you know, to essentially utilize social media uh, for social media marketing uh, is uh, essentially to engage, to respond and and to build those brand advocates, which ultimately, you know, yield to more awareness, more interest and more exposure of your brand. and before I forget, is one thing I forgot to mention is, is that, you know, talking about the book is where can people pick up the book? Uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon are the, the two easiest places to do it. It's still in stores, which is great fun. It just came out this past summer. So it is social media engagement for dummies. And uh, Amazon, Amazon is a great, a great resource for it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, my next question for you, Danielle, is. So social media is something that is is very buzzworthy, and I think, you know, some get it, others don't, and I think, you know, for us marketers, for those that that don't, you know, that presents a huge opportunity. So my question to you is, how would you describe social social media to someone who is completely incoherent to it? Well, I I actually do this quite a bit, because people are constantly saying, I don't understand what you do. (laughs) Uh, And and I've done it even with my dad, right? Right. So I think that there it depends on who you're talking to. If you're explaining it to someone who is interested in uh, it from a business perspective, 
you really need to take the word of mouth marketing angle because that's really what it is. It's an opportunity to engage your current fans in a wave of word of mouth marketing. And 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 that's really and to turn them into advocates for you. Turn them into crazy brand advocates. Uh-huh. Social media for the the traditional user for the everyday person is uh, it's a digital conversation. It's online way of engaging, of sharing pictures, thoughts, feelings, video. It's just a way for you and I to connect and share everything that we love, everything that we're doing for the betterment of all of us, in my view. Now, is there a downside to it? Sure. I'm a mother. So I recognize that there is a, a dark side to social media. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, and it's my job to be as on top of everything as possible. But I believe that the, the genesis of social media was good. So I have to continue to believe it believe in it that way absolutely you know you you know i'm glad that you shared that because uh, i personally also run into a lot of people who you know try to make sense of this thing called social media and, and they struggle uh you know uh with uh, with trying to really understand the difference between the different social media networks but what's even more scary danielle is is that uh, is is the whole transparency and privacy right uh when it comes to that because i think there's a lot of people that uh you know, they, they like to retain their sense of privacy and they feel like mm-hmm. uh, social media is uh, or different social networks, to be more specific, are nothing more than avenues to, to make them more transparent, more open to the world. And some people feel like um, that they're exposed. Uh, you know, for example, uh, well, really any social network that you go on these days, I mean, you're forced to create a profile, right? Your right. profile says, you know, it has your handle, a description about you, you know, on Twitter, right. what you like doing, you know, I'm a wine drinker, you know, I'm a bike rider or whatever. So it's, it's to your point is, yes, it's word of mouth advertising, but it's also relationship building on right. social media. So it's, I'm glad that you share some of those points because I think that there's a vast amount of individuals out there and particularly business owners who I don't think they will really see the potential of social media for quite some time because they can't quite grasp the social aspect of it. Well, and I'm, I'm going to add to your privacy a little bit. And, and this is a, a story that I tell whenever people ask about the privacy issue because, you know, and my dad's one of them. My dad is someone who just is not comfortable with how much information is out there. And there are some great ads that speak to the point of, about how much we're sharing and how much we're oversharing. And I won't argue with the fact that people overshare online and how I really and truly believe that oversharing online is we're going to see how much it's going to affect us moving forward. But I'm going to tell you this, two things. About uh, four or five years ago, there was a picture of my family's. It was taken off of one of my sites and used in a life-size, almost billboard-size ad in the Czech Republic. And I found out about it because a friend of mine from college lives Mm -hmm. in the Czech Republic. And he reached out to me via Facebook and said, oh my gosh, Danielle, I was driving down the street and you're never going to believe this. And he took a picture of it and he sent it to me. And it became an international story because I I wrote about it on my site and I wrote about it for two reasons. I wrote about it because I thought, okay, number one, small world. This is how small our world now is via social media. Because Mm -hmm. this is not someone, if we were not connected via Facebook, Facebook didn't exist, he and I would be connected. We don't talk after college. Like we're not good. Like we're not so close that we talk all the time. It's because Mm -hmm. of Facebook that we're connected. So without Facebook, I never would have known that picture was there. But also because we're online, because we put pictures online, there are people who think that means it's free game. So you have to find ways to protect yourself. But I will also tell you this because I had someone show up at my door after that story aired. Mm-hmm. show up on my front door oh, wow, really? <laughs> say, hey, just wanted to connect, thought we could, you know, connect via business. And people said, you know, you're so public, you share information. I've never shared my address. I've never shared any of that information, but people can track it down. When I was a news sure. reporter 15 years ago, I did a story with a private investigator. So consider what the internet was 15 years ago. Right, and right. nowhere near what it is now. Nowhere, people, people are not sharing what they're sharing now. 
my maiden name was Elliot. So mm-hmm. pretty common, right? So Danielle Elliot, there are a lot of, not as many Danielle Smiths, but there are a lot of Danielle Elliot's in the world. In less sure. than two minutes by plugging Danielle Elliot, nothing else, Danielle Elliot into his computer program, whatever that may have been at the time. Mm-hmm. In less than two minutes, he was able to come up with my address, my social security number, and the addresses and social security numbers of anyone I had ever lived with. My parents, <laughs> all of my college right, roommates. Right. And so to me, if he could do that 15 years ago in two minutes as a private investigator, what are people able to do now? So I'm, I'm pretty confident that that technology that existed 15 years ago has only advanced since then. So my job is to be as protective as I can, but to also recognize that anyone who wants to track anyone down right now can. Well, absolutely. You know, is this every such situation is essentially a double sword situation, right? It has its pros and cons, right? Right. So, exactly. but speaking of the internet, when you were talking about 15 years ago, so I've been on the internet for about probably about that long, maybe mm-hmm. since it really started, probably. And the the one visual that sparked in my mind when we were talking about the internet was my plugging in my AOL CD and waiting for the dial tone yep, <laughs> to come exactly. on, on the phone line so I could get through AOL and start browsing using my AOL b- browser. Do you remember those days? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, so the next question that, you know, I wanted to get into here is this, um, you know, uh, when it comes to social media, what are some tips that you could give to someone that's just starting out with, with social media? You know, this is a newcomer, someone that has a very basic understanding, and the only thing that uh, they're familiar with is someone's been trumpeting this whole social media thing down their throat, and they know that they need to do it. So what are some tips that you would give them when it comes to social media? Before you ever get involved at all, you need to figure out what what you'd like to accomplish with it. Like, what is your goal? So before you even dive into Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest or any of them, what are you hoping that this accomplishes for you? Because if you don't know that going in, it's going to be a great big failure. If you just hope that you make a bunch more money, whatever that means, that's not going to get you anywhere. So you need to determine what that, what that goal might be and then choose one platform. Sure. Start with one of them. As I was mentioning before, if you start trying to go through all of them, you're going to make yourself crazy. Next, dedicate a specific amount of time each week to mastering that particular platform. And by dedicate each week, I don't mean 15 minutes on Monday morning and then don't touch it again till next Monday morning. I mean getting on there and and figuring out how much time you're going to spend each week and then getting on there every couple of days. So whether or not you do a little bit Monday morning and stop by Monday afternoon and then do Wednesday again, like determine what your priority is going to be and then stage goals for yourself. You know, what would you like to see by the end of February? What would you like to see by the end of March? Are you gaining new followers? Are people talking to you? And then be really willing to reach out to other people who you see have success in the space and feel okay asking them a couple of questions. Some people are going to speak to you with open arms and some people will tell you they're too busy. And the people who speak to you with open arms will be an amazing resource. Absolutely. You know, uh, being optimistic about it and and having short-term and long-term goals is, I think, a great way to really, you know, get started with social media before even getting to the whole, you know, mix up of what social social media network I should use or, or, or whatnot. So, um, I'm just looking at our time here, Danielle, and I think we went a little bit over than I had yes. uh, originally anticipated, but it has been a great conversation. And I definitely want to end it with uh, one more question. Uh, I know that uh, you just wrote, uh, was this your second book, Social Media? It, it was my second book, yes. Okay. Are there any plans for another book? You know, not at the moment. I don't have any book plans on the horizon. My uh, Extraordinary Mommy relaunches on my birthday, on January 21st. Oh, wow. So, yes. So that the whole site relaunches into a full lifestyle platform, and I'm going to be hiring some writers, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then the Daniel Smith Media platform will relaunch with um, some some new and exciting updates. So I'm really excited about focusing on 
on those two platforms. And then I've got some fun stuff cooking for over the summer. So very cool. Speaking of birthdays, so your birthday is one day after mine. So now oh, I know. Someone, so now I know someone that has a birthday a day after mine. There you do. Yep. So Danielle, you know, I truly appreciate your time. It, it's been a, an exciting conversation and all this knowledge that you've shared, you know, with our listeners in terms of social media and just given different perspective based on your experience with social media and how you've been able to, uh, you know, uh, establish a business, uh, uh, ultimately following your passion, if you would. Last but not least is, can you, can you share uh, your, your Twitter handle, YouTube, where, where can people find you on the web? Of course. Uh, my primary sites, again, extraordinarymommy.com and then daniellesmithmedia.com. And then Twitter is at daniellesmithtv. YouTube, uh, because YouTube never, ever, ever lets you change your name, in case anybody's wondering. I branded originally with Extraordinary Mommy, so mm -hmm. that is where you will find me there. And uh, those are the best places to find me. Great. Danielle, I truly appreciate your time. Thank you so Ivan, much. Ivan, thank you so much for having me. So there we have it. Uh, that was Daniel Smith. Uh, I'm hoping that you guys enjoyed the interview. It was a lengthy one, and we are nearing the one-hour mark here, uh, shy of about 10 minutes of the podcast. So indeed, my initial goal, it looks like it's going to be met here uh, as we'll be reaching the one-hour mark as I had originally had planned uh, for the length of this particular episode. I'm hoping that you guys enjoyed the interview. Uh, I know I, I did interviewing Danielle. It was quite the experience. I, I really learned quite a few things also about social media that, you know, even myself, um, I was unaware of and uh, definitely look forward to applying those strategies uh, in some of my endeavors as well. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I will be back next week with a new guest, uh, and I think uh, in this particular episode, episode three, we'll be talking about content marketing, so it's going to get really interesting. I know that content marketing has been one of those areas that a lot of people are wondering about and uh, uh, essentially puzzled about when it comes to uh, strategy development, uh, implementation, execution, identifying goals and objectives for your brand and, and making content marketing as a whole really work for your brand or for your clients uh, for that matter. So without further ado, thank you for joining me. This is Ivan Temelkov, your host on the Digital Marketing Revolution podcast. Once again, thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you here next time. Take care. <music>